Ooh, finally the rain stopped. Hello and welcome to the In My Defense podcast. Definitely one of the top five best podcasts that are called In My Defense. I'm your host Christian and this is the show where I bring on a guest and give them a chance to rant about their favorite thing for about an hour, something I don't think the average person really gets to do enough. If you haven't guessed it already, which is weird because it's in the title of the episode, but good on you person who just bull rushes through podcasts, I'm proud of you. This episode is about Queens of the Stone Age, the desert rock band fronted by Josh Homie, which I really just learned. My guest this week, the guy who really knows what he's talking about, is one Nick Valdez. Nick is a good friend of mine and someone I was excited to get on the podcast to have a conversation with that was reminiscent of the talks we had commuting to and from work together, uh, which hasn't been a thing for a while, just people hanging out in the car. Anyway, I really loved the conversation we had out at one point I miscounted how many drugs they named in Feel Good Hit of the Summer, which is playing over in the background behind me right now, but I'm sure the internet won't notice. Uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about Queens of the Stone Age with Nick Valdez. So I think we can get right into it. So I am here with one of my very good friends, a terrific actor, terrific guy, uh, Nick Valdez. Say hi to everybody, Nick. Hey, how's it going, everyone? <laughs> Thank you for throwing the peace sign, even though no one's actually going to be <laughs> yeah, able to see this. You know, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for me. I understand. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the rock band Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, I know it's one of Nick's favorites. Why did you want to talk about the Queens of the Stone Age, Nick? Honestly, because it's probably the thing I know the most about. <laughs> <laughs> and they're great. They're my, they're my like one of my top favorite bands of all times. They're fantastic. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know they get you excited because every once in a while you like we in like in our personal lives, when you and me work together, we would uh, you would bring them up every once in a while and go into a whole rant. Like you're one of the people in my life who's been like the most passionate about music. Um, and I, and I know you. I know you play some music too. But like, you're all like you're not just you're not just like from the musicians, but you're also just a big fan of other people doing their thing. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And so what is what is it about Queens? Like like I'm coming into this as almost a complete noob, having very having listened to like the very minimum of uh, Queens music. So what is it about them that makes them like so special and so different than maybe some other groups? Well, it really just comes down to. Um the lead singer, uh, Josh Homme, uh, he is really the only permanent member of that band. It's kind of like a Nine Inch Nails. Um, he has like this rotating cast of characters that come in and help him record music and play live. Uh, he has some consistent members every once in a while, but uh, he's really just the only like sole driving factor of it. And he's just this creative mastermind that came out of like the deserts where like nothing was happening in fact my favorite story uh their most popular song is called no one knows it has this really memorable guitar riff it's uh right he, he did this interview where he was talking about like being in the desert his first guitar teacher was just this like polka player right so he learned how to play polka music and he was describing that like one day he was thinking about you know oh yeah you know this was my guitar teacher and then he realized oh my god 
no one knows is a polka riff. So, like, <laughs> you know, it's just it it's just this fantastic story about like DIY music um, in the middle of nowhere, making stuff happen, and then you know finding a uh, listeners, finding an audience, and you know becoming popular i guess but yeah it's gonna make me think that uh josh homie and like weird al yankovic have probably like met up at some point and really gotten to geek out about polka (laughs) (laughs) i sincerely hope they have (laughs) (laughs) it it has to have happened at this point at least at least once at least once like they're they're, yeah they're just they're just talking about accordion riffs and just going crazy (laughs) to be a fly on that wall dude i would i would pay so much money to do that (laughs) uh how did how did you how did you get into the queens of the stone age yeah, so I always kind of like knew who they were when I was in middle school. Um, you know, you're all kind of like divided by what kind of music you listen to. You know, like the shirt you wear is a flag that you show to people, right? I used to hang out with all the like quote unquote rockers and stuff like that. And I used to watch MTV and VH1. And I remember specifically um, the Queens of the Stone Age video for No One Knows, right? But here's the thing. I always confuse that band with another band called Chevelle because they had another song on TV at the exact same time. Um, But how I became like super uh, interested in them was my best friend uh, just started playing uh, Like Clockwork, which is one of their more more recent releases. And at first I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Um, Like... This is fine. I'm not a fan of the entire record. I'm a fan of just like one or two songs, right? But uh, he sent me his download file and he like put it on Dropbox and I just kind of downloaded it. Uh, Sorry if anybody's listening to this, (laughs) Uh, but I buy my music now. Um, (laughs) And uh, I remember when it clicked for me was I was, I had it on my iPod and I was on the train going to, uh, going back from, my college back home and I had it on and like clockwork is maybe one of the more like most depressing albums I've ever heard um and it was just it came it was one of those moments where it, like it came at the just right time yeah middle school uh, no no this was in college <laughs> oh, <okay>. dude <laughs> um I was just going through some stuff I was like oh god I'm I'm still home I want to leave you know uh I was probably really into a girl that wasn't into me um but i'm listening to it and it just clicked and i was like oh wow like the through line from this album is palpable um and as you know i'm one of those people that if i like something i look into it and i like try to learn as much as i can about it and to 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 read where this album came from you just kind of understand it uh on a more cerebral level like the story goes Josh Homme writes Era Vulgaris. It's, you know, it's not the best Queens of the Stone Age album, but it's fine, you know? And then he kind of just disappears for a little while. He does, um, he makes another band called uh, Them Crooked Vultures with his buddy Dave Grohl, who was also a former Queens of the Stone Age member, and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. And then after that happens, he kind of just disappears. He goes away for a bit, and then no one really knows what's going on. Queens of the Stone Age may or may not come back. Um, And then this album comes out, and it turns out that what had happened was allegedly Josh Homme went to go have surgery for something wrong with his knee 
and on the operating table, the dude died. Like, he just died. And then they brought him back to life, but he was kind of just bedridden for like a year or two. Like, he just couldn't do anything. And it kind of like, like made his passion for making music again. You know, it kind of just brought it to the forefront. And Light Clockwork is about that experience. It's about his experience with his friends, his wife, his family, everybody. Now, of course, there are rumors that that was just the story they told, that it was actually about Josh Homme getting lost on a drug binge for a few years. <laughs> it very well could be the case. I don't know. But Like Clockwork is just this testament to just feeling like you're like the world is crashing down around you and you're trying to hold everything together as much as you can. It's fantastic. Highly recommend it. Yeah, see, it's stories like that. It's like, that's the kind of reason why I wanted to do a show like this, just because uh, you, you you talked about like f finding something new that you're really into and then trying to find out everything about it, which is basically the geek persona. That's exactly what geeks do. Like that that's what yeah. that's what might separate like the, your average person. And I've talked about this before where like the average person might absorb some kind of media or some something, enjoy it for what it is and then walk away from it and never think about it ever again, which mm -hmm. is kind of the opposite of what anybody who's ever been on this podcast would probably do because like it's just you, you find something you like and you want to know everything about it it makes the most sense in the world it's like oh yeah this thing is amazing let me find more of it and let me find out yeah. like everything that makes it up and how it's built from the ground up and, and yeah story, stories like that about like finding out finding out about this band it touching you inside to a certain degree and then being able and then just being able to follow through with it and luckily I feel sorry for any geeks that existed like before the age of the internet where like <laughs> where like everything everything about this was just word of mouth and you had to like dig, yeah. dive deep into like old record stores and like and, and magazines <laughs> and magazines like oh man and then now finding like there's entire like communities surrounding this whole thing yeah uh, the, but, the subreddits are great <laughs> <laughs> no I bet I bet it's, it's funny so like uh, Josh Homme is probably like one of those like all time classic like rock heroes for the rest of the time I like like on the level of, like Dave Grohl because I uh, uh, I don't like. I'm someone who is. I do like I I do love this music and I love all and I love and I love all kinds of different music. But I was never I was never the type of person to on that geek level to dive deep into like the personal lives or even like who makes who makes the the music of the people that I'm listening to. Like I can really appreciate a song for what it is and and really dive deep into the in, into what makes a, sp a specific song or a specific album. But I've never really I've never really considered like how the person behind is actually not the way I think about film. Which I know you're you're yeah. a big, you're a big film buff too, but like, yes, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not. I, I never. It wasn't until I got a little bit older that I started realizing like how much work is actually being put into the production of these albums, and also just like the the artistic, the the art tour, the 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 point, the thoughtfulness that goes into making this music, and. Yeah. Hearing you talk about Josh Homme and like hearing about like Dave Grohl and like hearing like I, I the, from what I know about the them Crooked Vultures like it, it was like just this like this once in a lifetime thing of like these yeah. massive <laughs> massive entities in the rock culture just coming together doing something really experimental and fantastic yeah. and then never going back to do it ever again. Yeah, they try they try to do it every once in a while, but every time they're just like, well, I mean, everyone's busy. It's like yeah, yeah there's like they're some of the biggest bands ever, you know. <laughs> Everyone wants it, but it's just not going to happen anytime soon, man. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of um, what the, the album that came out recently. I think it was um, the po uh, post post postal service postal. 
Uh, the one they Did they come out with a new album recently? Uh, or they announced it, something, something like that. I think there was. Uh, they had the, the. I know the old out. The first, their first album they did together came out like ten years ago, or something like that. And then they announced a new one. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, October. Yeah, they created new social media accounts for the band and teased announcement the following. Wow. Yeah, something, that is insane. Yeah, something is happening. Okay. Cool, man. And I just recently listened to that first album, which I, I which I kind of dug. It was a little like a little soft for my taste, but I know. But I I appreciate the work that went into it. You know, Postal Surface is one of those bands that like I've just never. I'm sure I've heard a song or two, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what they were. <laughs> is that the band that he said like the members went and like became Death Cab for Cutie or something like that? Well, I think it was very similar to um, them Crooked Vultures, where it was like it was mul- it was it was members from that it was all members that had their own thing going on, and they kind of came together to uh, to create to create this album. You know, it's funny. I was actually just watching a video. Speaking of collaborations, um, Jack White, uh, which is another just musical genius, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he like obviously he has like a bunch of different side projects, but he has this one called the Rock and Tours. And apparently that's just another one of those like things where everybody's in established bands and then every once in a while they come back to make this thing. It's just like, man, wow, these people are just they're insane. It's insane how creative they are. Um, yeah. And, and like me, have, me, like, you know, me, I'm like a big hip hop buff, which like almost every hip hop album that ever came out is a collaboration album because there's, <laughs> there's always features from somebody else coming from somewhere. I think so. So it was. It, it wasn't really that surprising to me to see something like, why doesn't this happen more often, right? Uh, that I want yeah. to see. Uh, have you? So, getting back to Queens of the Stone Age, like, have you ever? Yes. I know you've gotten to see them live. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, twice. Twice. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What was that like? <clears throat> oh wow. Okay, so the first time that I saw them, uh, I had really only known that one album and then like a few other songs. Uh, they were they came down to the Fillmore in Miami Beach, and I went, and we my friend and I had tickets. Uh, for a seated area and they just kind of moved us they were like here you could just go wherever you want uh, which is kind of the cool thing about that place is that you can just kind of go wherever you want and um i ended up i ended up like being like five people away from the front of the stage and i just remember seeing josh homie and just thinking like wow this man is tall um and he is gorgeous and i am just lucky to be in the same room as him uh but man watching it like it was they started off with no one knows they started off with their most popular song and i was just like bands usually save that for the encore what is the rest of this concert going to be like you know and they really catered to uh that album with that tour it was kind of incredible seeing how that show was really just a representation of what that album was even though they played songs from all their albums it was just like this is the mood that we are trying to set it was spectacular uh second time i saw them that was a really funny story actually uh second time i saw them i was working about a few blocks away from where they were playing which was the bayfront park amphitheater and i remember i went to work specifically that day i was like oh man what if the people from queens of the stone age decided to check out a science museum in the middle of the day right (laughs) right before their gig uh obviously they didn't do that because they're too cool for that um (laughs) <laughs> and not that science is cool. It's very cool. It's just that, that that's not what they're doing at Miami Beach. Um, so I ended up just walking over there because I I wanted to be like first in line. I wanted to make sure I got one of the like limited posters that they sell for each gig. And the funny thing is, is that 
there was another guy there with me that I had seen at the previous Queens of the Stone Age concert. <laughs> now, standing at the in the like uh, the general admission area for the first Queens of the Stone Age concert, I remember they were playing Feel Good Hit of the Summer or they were about to play Feel Good Hit of the Summer, which if anybody ever listens to that song, it's just dun, 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 dun. You know, it's very, very clear where they're going into. The lyrics are literally just nicotine, Valium, Vicodin, marijuana, ecstasy, and alcohol. And then eventually it goes into cocaine. Fantastic. Literally the only lyrics. It's the weirdest song ever. The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight, yeah. So... I'm, I'm standing there watching in the first concert and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm, I, I feel like a pool, like I'm being pulled aside. I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And the pit opens up, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, obviously, yeah, this makes sense. And there's just this big fucking dude. Uh, sorry, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse here. Yeah, but, yeah, fuck uh, yeah, go ahead. Cool, awesome, amazing. I see this big dude, um, big bald dude uh, with these big metal rings on his fingers and he's wearing like these jorts and a t-shirt and he is just like moving that pit he is the like centerpiece of that mosh pit and i was just like wow that dude is interesting well funny enough i waited the second concert that i saw them i was standing outside for like two hours with that guy <laughs> and i talked to him i was like oh man you were at the last one i remember seeing you in the pit and he's like oh yeah and he was telling me how he goes to all these concerts and he's like, yeah, it's just a way for me to get out my aggression. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Like, you know, the music speaks to you that way. And like, this is a really, like, it's a safe and healthier place to do it. You know, at least you're not like murdering people as far as I know. So, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, the second time I saw them, I knew the music a lot better. Um, the guy probably works in and, a flower shop. Well, oh my God. If I saw him at a flower shop, I would just be tickled pink, dude. Like, I would just be so giddy. <laughs> he wouldn't remember me, but I'd just be like, dude, I remember this guy's face as clear as day. No, um, yeah, man. I just got to, you know, I just got to like trim, trim the petals on these chrysanthemums and then, <laughs> and then I'm going to head over to the, I'm going to head over to the Queens concert real quick. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, punch a few people, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, the second time I saw them, I knew the music and like, I was dancing the entire time. I'm pretty sure I cried a few times. Uh, their music just speaks to me in a weird way. Like it's, it, I don't, music does like music speaks to me on a different level sometimes, but for some reason, like I can just be driving and I'll have a, a Queens of Stone Age song will be on and specifically like villains of circumstance will get me crying every single time. Um, just has a, such a beautiful line in it that like, he just has a way with words. The line is, um, close your eyes and dream me home. The song is about like being away from, in, in his case, being away from his kids while he's on tour. But for whatever reason, it just like, I don't have kids. Uh, I don't even want kids. But uh, for some reason, that, that line just like hits me every single time. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, crying mess as I'm driving to work. So is uh, it is yeah. it the lyrics for you or or is it about the craft of the music itself that really gets to you when it comes to listening to them or other people? It's it's kind of everything. Like like I said, you know, like you have the lyrics. It's hard to identify with nicotine, valium, and Vicodin, marijuana, ecstasy, alcohol, cocaine. Well, I mean, you maybe know. for you, but <laughs> maybe for, for me, for me personally, uh, <laughs> those those lyrics don't mean much to me personally. But um, yeah, it's the lyrics and it's the overall music, the atmosphere that he's able to create 
with his, not just him, because um, Troy Van Leeuwen is one of the guys that's with the band as well. And he's just kind of been, he's, I would say he's kind of a steady member. He's been with the band since like 2003 or something like that. So I would say he's a queen forever. Um, but yeah, the lyrics, man, his lyrics are so good. He has this like funny way of playing with, oh man, like sayings. I can't like pick out an exact one right now, but he has just like this really funny way of like getting a saying that, you know, and kind of like twisting it up into something else. But then when he's not doing that, he's he's hitting you with some really introspective lyrics. Um, there's one and I really want to get one tattooed on me that I can think of from a song called Suture, Your, Suture Up Your Future. The line is, uh, I tried to fake it. I just can't take it. And I don't care if it hurts just so long as it's real. That line, ooh, the first time I heard that, like it sent chills down my spine. I was like, I've never related to a, a single line of lyric before as I have related to that one. And it was, it just like, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. It just hits so well. Because those, those are the things those are things we're always looking for, right? Like, I know whenever, I've always been someone who really appreciates good lyrics, um, especially as someone who doesn't really, like, know the nitty gritty when it comes to the details of a lot, what goes into a song and music theory and all that kind of stuff. So, like, when the lyrics can really hit me and I get that goosebumps feeling, like, it was like, oh yes, I need to put. They need to listen to that again. It had that memorized yeah. by the end of the day. Oh man, it's, yeah, it's just a really good feeling whenever you find something that really just hits you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, uh, you know, and I don't get it too often with music. I I get it sometimes, but like, man, a band really has to hit me in a certain way, you know. And it's just it's just so special when it happens. It's just, oh god. I'm just, I want to cry right now. I love music so much. <laughs> um, uh, so, like, question about, like, the makeup of the band. Because I, I know Queens of Stonehenge, they're not the only band where it's, like, where members might rotate in and out and stuff like that. And there's just, like, one uh, long-standing frontman. Uh, but what is Queens of the Stone Age? Do you right? Is it strictly, like, Josh Homie and maybe, like, Troy Van Leeuwen? Or uh, how do I phrase this? Like, is... Because obviously Josh Josh Homie has control over like what the just what the sound of it might be, and maybe when it comes to like, is there a consistency throughout the years when it comes to all these albums that come out, and knowing that it's different like band members from album to album? Uh, you know, it's so funny that you ask that question, um, because the answer is yes, but the answer is also no, and depending on which fan you talk to, they either love that or they absolutely hate that. I mentioned like Clockwork was my favorite album. That's that album sounds so different than anything they had produced before and a lot of fans hate that. If you go back to the beginning of Queens of the Stone Age, it starts with their self-titled album, right? And at that time, it was literally just Josh Homme playing guitar, playing bass, singing, and I think he got somebody else to play the drums. I can't be certain, even though he does play the drums for another band called Eagles of Death Metal. It really kind of like solidified what that sound was. And Josh Homme had come from another band before that called Caius that was also a pretty big like stoner doom rock band. But the sound, I want to say the sound changes as he brings in new musicians. Um, he had this bass player at some point named Nick Oliveri, who also came from Caius, if I'm not mistaken. And if you listen to albums like Rated R and Songs for the Deaf, not only does Nick Oliveri sing on those, as well as another singer, which is, he's also technically part of Queens of the Stone Age forever, but 
he kind of like dr- Nick Oliveri kind of drives that sound for Queens of the Stone Age as well. And then once he got kicked out of the band, the style changed drastically. So you could say that the players in the band influence the sound, which they do. That's just a, the the nature of collaborative work, right? But really, at the end of the day, like the sound, the sound has to fit the the visionary's vision, right? You have something like his most their most recent album is called Villains, um, which was produced by Mark Ronson, who produced, uh, what was that really big song Bruno Mars had, uh, like recently too? Uh, Uptown Funk, I think was the Mark Ronson yeah. one? Yeah, he produced, he produced Uptown Funk and he produced uh, either a song Lady Gaga did or like one of her albums, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and that was like a weird, that was like a weird collaboration with a producer that no one expected Queens of the Stone Age to work with. And that that album is like super poppy. You can it's it's but it's weird because it's like there are some songs that it just sounds like this weird like I want to say like doom pop. Like it just feels like uh, <laughs> Unreborn Again is one of those songs where like there's the, these these like synthesizers which have been with Queens of the Stone Age before, but never as prominent and never as featured as it was in that album. Yeah, I want to say like. Josh is the driving force to how an album sounds, depending on what his vision for that album is. But you have all the other players in it as well that are giving their input. And I'm not sure like how involved they are. Like, I I can't tell you whether or not, like, let's say Dean Fertitta or Michael Schumann are directly involved with the recording process. I don't I don't know. But if they are like, I'm I'm sure that that in fact, I'm pretty sure the synthesizers have to be Dean Fertitta. Like, he's just the kind of, like, he switches between guitar, he switches between bass. Sometimes he'll play a tambourine, which is really funny. I mean, anybody can play a tambourine, I think. Uh, <laughs> Shout I'm out sorry to all the tambourinists. Yeah, it just surprises me because, like, well, it shouldn't surprise me anymore. Because uh, uh, me being the Philistine, I, I imagine a band in my head, and I think like the Beatles or like or any any group that consistently had like the same people in it, and uh, and and they lasted forever. However many long they did, they did a few albums, and they and and they just don't make music anymore. And but and then so the idea of like rotating members coming out of a band is like why like and I'm asking myself why isn't it just that guy then why is it Queens of the Stone Age and why isn't it just like him and then also these folks, uh, which which <laughs> well, I guess is part of the what, culture. Like, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like what Nine Inch Nails is, right? Like Yeah, and I ask that same uh, question when it comes to Nine Inch Nails. Like <laughs> like why isn't it just Trent Reznor presents whatever this thing is? Yeah, it is. I mean that's honestly what it is. But at the end of the day, like you, um here's the thing. Uh as someone who is like I've never been in a band, not really. Um, I'm only just starting to like write my own kind of songs, right? And to me, it sounds it sounds fine, you know, and I'm not a particularly gifted musician. I just started learning how to play guitar a few years ago, you know, but I'm sure if I took it to somebody else who has just a different influences and, you know, a different mindset to how to play a song, if I showed them what I was what I was doing, they can be like, OK, yes, this can go here and we can if you change this just a little bit you know, it'll sound like this and it'll, it'll sound better. So I think that that would be the reason why, like, 
<laughs> with Queens of the Stone Age specifically, Josh Homme probably has like these these like sounds in his head. They sound good, but then you have Troy Van Leeuwen or you have uh, Michael Schumann. They come in and they're just like, ah, yes, this sounds great, but what if I added this in the background? And it just changes the whole dynamic. I, I, music is a lot like theater. And for anybody listening, uh, I have a degree in theater. I'm an actor. You know, you can you can have the actors, right? You can have the words from the playwright. You can have all of this stuff, right? But the director is the person who's like the artist, right? He's the he's the painter, and the actors are the paint, and the script is the canvas from which you work on, right? Without the canvas, which is the words, you can't have the actors, and without the actors. You can't have the director. So everybody just kind of, everybody has to work together for the ultimate vision. The actors have a one way of thinking about how how their their character says a line or what their character is feeling, but it's the director's decision that says, okay, this is how your character, how you say your character feels, which is fine. Let's, let's find a way to make that work with everything else that's going on. So with music, you can have Josh Homme playing guitar, drums, bass, everything right but it's just going to sound like josh homie and it's not going to sound like a collaborative effort and at the end of the day even though queens of the stone age is josh it's it's all the other people working with him as well you know even the people he brings in to sing background like they they come in and they do their thing as well it's great it's fantastic (laughs) and would you say that the band is better for it like is is there is there a situation in music where someone does kind of make it all about them and and they run and they call the shots and it never really sounds as good like i don't uh, i can't i can't think of an example of a header of any musician that that is on that level where they can just do everything and and and, ha- and have total control over everything that's going on except probably the people that <laughs> it's probably every pop star or something like that whereas it's yeah. it's it's everything so but for you the collaborative effort is what makes it right like it's it's it, it, it can't help but be better when you have all these people providing uh the proper amount of input to make something greater for, for the sum of its parts yeah no absolutely the the collaborative effort is it that's what the band is i'm sure queens of the stone age if it was just josh homie as a one-man band walking around downtown would still sound great but you know without without the people that work on the band as as well work on the music uh it just doesn't sound as good in my opinion oh man i just had like i just had a brain fart i had a an artist in my head i was like this is a an example um i guess something i can liken it to and i keep on bringing them up which uh, nine inch nails is one of my favorite bands as well you can uh, trent reznor you know does most of the music by himself with uh with like a synthesizer whatever whatever he decides to play but it wasn't until like he started working with Atticus Ross, who is now an official Nine Inch Nails member, that for me, I think he hit his like creative, his creative uh, peak, I guess, and it's still growing. So yeah, the band, the band is the the collaborative effort is the way that music should be made in my person. Oh, oh my God, sorry. Um, I I know the band that I was going to talk about, Fleetwood Mac. Okay. The album, the album Rumors right it's a fantastic album but the reason why it's so fantastic is every single person in that band hated each other while they were recording it right <laughs> so like like you have Stevie Nicks writing music about a shitty relationship she was in with the guitarist for that band you know <laughs> and like he's forced to play the music that 
you know, is written about him, you know, but he came at it with his guitar and he gave that same kind of energy to her, you know, like, <laughs> like, and it's not just those two. It was um, the other two people that were in the band as well. They also were dating and also hated each other at the moment. So degree, you even, get, even that sounds very collaborative, though. Like, like it's people, it's people writing out of spite and like, and, and their performances are that much better for it. It's like, oh, I'm going to show you how good I can fucking do. You shut the fuck up. I'm going to fucking, yeah. I'm going to play the fucking shit out of this riff right now and see if you can do better. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly it. If 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 Fleetwood Mac was just Stevie Nicks, it, that that album would not work. Rumors is not great, but because it's all of them hating each other, that album is one of the best albums of all time. It's a, uh, it's same a, could it, be said it's, for everybody. It's a funny thing that keeps happening on this podcast where we'll we'll be talking about a specific subject and it'll lead into like some kind of life lesson, <laughs> which <laughs> which I'm going to have to start promoting it as such, right? Because getting going. Diving deep into these specific subjects and really pulling out the passions out of people really shows how important they are and how good it is to have these kind of passions and what kind of effect they have on the world. Because we're talking about we're talk, just talking about a rock band, like a really a really great rock band, but then we're but then we find out all this stuff about collaboration, and the importance of working together, and and I don't know if I'm getting all mushy about it right now, but like in in a time in our country where people are like more separate more separate than ever people can't even like leave their house most of the time like working together really does make things better like we are we are better than the sum of our parts if we bring them all in oh man yeah agreed you know uh a stick is a stick but if you get a bunch of sticks and you know put them together you can make something out of it you know and people are kind of the same way um we're all just kind of our own separate stick but like i can't do anything by myself i have to have all the other people with me and helping each other build something together that's i also recommend rise of the planet of the apes <laughs> yeah you know wait, is, that, is that the most recent one by the by any chance uh, was it I, I i i can't even tell anymore just by the, but the naming conventions of those movies because I, yeah. I think it was dawn it was dawn then rise, rise and, then, and then was it war yeah i still haven't seen war i've seen the other two but. well like in the second one in the second one that was a thing uh, i've got the name of the orangutan i think it was mo or something maurice um okay but then, what you just said i can't i can't believe you weren't quoting it because uh well it wasn't a quote because the apes the apes don't didn't really speak <laughs> they were speaking in sign language but what, what maurice i think was the name of the orangutan what they do is when they're trying to convince caesar to like uh, yeah. Bring the apes together. They grab they, the they, they grab a stick and they snap it in half, <laughs> and then they grab several sticks of the same length, and it's harder to snap them in half. Oh my god! I think that part of the movie just like logged, like lodged itself into my collect, like 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 subconscious because holy shit, I remember that now. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, uh, that's so funny. But yeah, I'm not an original man. I'm just stealing shit from other people. Apparently, but again, we are <laughs> like, all just a summation of several things coming together to make something are. better. That's what it is. We <sighs> are. <laughs> uh, I love this idea of like a collective subconscious. I'm going kind of like off topic here, but like it's fine. It it's funny because I'll be working and uh, like you know where I work, and it'll be dead. It'll be quiet for the most part, and then all of a sudden, like. 20 people decide that they need coffee right and i just i like to imagine that people are just like 
there's something that happens in our like brains where we get a thought from somebody else somewhere and it kind of trickles into the front of our mind. It's like, oh yes, I need that coffee right now. And like every like 20 to like a hundred people decide the same exact thing at the same exact time and just come into this thing. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> Here we are. I, was I don't ima- do drugs, I swear. <laughs> I, always, I always imagine it as like some kind of like, it's always like a chain of events. Like one person walks in and then somebody else from outside saw them walk in. It's like, hey, you know what? That's a good idea. I think I'll get some too. And then it just, <laughs> and, and then it just cascades and, and and everybody's having the same thought at the same time. It's like yawning. Everybody, one person yawns and then everybody else yeah. has to yawn at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just monkey see, monkey do. Oh, uh, exactly. Uh, so it, uh, I talked about me being like a noob when it came to this. If you were trying to convince somebody into like listening to Queens of the Stone Age, uh, what is it about them that you would try to bring up? Like someone who, like, I, like I mean, you say anything to anybody who doesn't know music, but if you're someone who does fairly know music, you you have an idea of what kind of stuff to do. You think Queens of the Stone Age might be a good fit, uh, right? What, what what would you say to them? <clears throat> oh man. Uh... I feel like this is like a losing battle because I feel like I've tried to get people into this band and like everyone's just like, yeah, there goes Nick again talking about something (laughs) else. Right. Um, But uh, what I what I normally try to do is I I figure out what kind of music somebody is into and I throw something similar at them. Right. So if someone wants if someone's listening to like say a band like muse right i might tell them to check out like unreborn again or maybe like if i'm feeling like super frisky at the moment i'll tell them to check out song for the dead yeah i don't know i don't i don't really know how i would con- try to convince somebody to listen to the band i would just tell them like this band if you if if you just want to zone out and listen to a song to like a song fantastic you can just dance you can just jam to it you don't have to think about it but if you really really want to like listen to a song that song that you were just dancing to mindlessly or just jamming to you can get something out of that song because there are those lyrics they might seem a little floofy at first but there there's some there's some teeth behind it you know there's something that he's saying um or something that he feels that it might re- it you you, know, you might resonate with. No, yeah, Again, I, I, I just go. I imagine it's difficult just because we were just talking about how the band has evolved and like what's what they sounded like uh, twenty years ago isn't necessarily what they sound like now, uh, and even even from like album to album, there might be a different feel to it. So I imagine there is some difficulty when it comes to like trying to uh, convince someone to listen to like a whole discography. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, like if you're like a pop fan, just like listen to all the villains. Like it's just <laughs> it's a pop fest and it's it's not a bad one. It's just, you know, it's just so different. It's and it's not it's just good. You know, it's when you just, were describing cool. it earlier, I was thinking of like, is threatening pop a thing? It sounds like this is this, this feels like <laughs> pop. But I'm, I feel slightly on edge for some reason. You know, you know, what's funny. Uh, I'll, I'll liken it to the weekend. Almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, so, yeah. Where's this club banger? But then if you feel like you listen to the lyrics and it's like, wait, some, what? <laughs> There's something sinister to it. It's kind of fantastic. I love it. <laughs> like, oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> doom pop dude that's i i feel like we should that's where we should be heading into like doom pop there, there's, there's a weird thing when it comes to music where i feel and again this i've only i only have myself and maybe like a few other people as reference to this but 
I find that maybe like the happier somebody is, or maybe like the more go with the flow, someone who doesn't really seem like they're they're too sad all the time, they tend to listen to very sad, depressing music, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's like a th- catharsis. It's where they get all that stuff out when they're listening to music, and it's like whereas maybe someone like the the toughest, most angry person you might know in real life, the most selfish, they they're they're listening to the poppy hits. They're the ones listening to <laughs> whatever, whatever's playing on the radio and dance to, and they know all the lyrics and everything like that. The, it's there's there's a weird dichotomy when it comes to the the, the to the person yeah. and then the music they listen to. It's always the opposite. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> that just reminded me of that meme. Have you ever seen that meme? It's like like this like a uh, corpse paint black metal kid like eating ice cream and then like right next to him is like a bubblegum princess looking like person, the right? pink dress blonde hair pigtails yeah yeah uh a really a really funny meme i saw is like this is how ghost looks and this is how they sound and it's like <laughs> looks like looks like black metal kids sounds like bubblegum pops <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of like that yeah my version of that meme is the one that i've seen is the one that i've seen where it's like the music i listen to also the music I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen that one around too. Um I'm I'm not the I'm not quite as um varied, I suppose. I just kind of listen to sad shit over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it has made you a very thoughtful person that I think like really uh can dive deep into the to, to these lyrics and get what the person's trying. Like I, I'm sure like if you got a chance to meet these artists like they would love you. I'm pretty sure. Like it was like they, they, no. no. Here's the thing. Here's Maybe the thing. I just see the, I just see them like, hey, please leave me alone, thanks, and I'd be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's the most important thing. <laughs> but that's how you would be too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody came up to me and was just like, uh, like, hey, man, that play that you wrote was like, you know, it really hit a spot. I'd be like, cool, man. Hey, uh, I just want to buy this steak here, man. Can I just go home? <laughs> <laughs> nobody's nobody's reading my work like that and thinking anything like that they're just not even reading it <laughs> yeah. oh man so what what do you kind of hope for uh queen is still kind of they're still working they're working on an album right now right <clears throat> um and, uh, no one really knows um so <sighs> Uh, I don't really like to like delve into like someone's like personal relationships, right? But he, uh, Josh Homme has been pretty like transparent with what's been going on during this pandemic, um, and he's having like a turbulent time, at, to say the least, with his, like with his marriage and stuff like that. And he seems to really just be focusing on like spending time with his kids, which great, you know. I don't I. I, as much as I want new Queens of the Stone Age music, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, he's a person who has to do what he has to do to feel good. And if making music right now doesn't make him feel good, uh, that's fine. You know, do what you need to. No, yeah, I'm sure that there was a plan. I'm sure there was a plan before everything kind of just happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he was working on something somewhere, whether it was Queens, whether, oh, God forbid it was them crooked vultures. Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. (laughs) You know, I'm sure he was working on something. I know during the pandemic, he's at the very least performed twice. Uh, they did, I guess they did like a Lollapalooza thing and he performed one of the, uh, them crooked vulture songs, uh, acoustically solo. It was very good, but then he did like, oh man, I don't know the name of the, the, the artist, but the, the lead singer from 
holy crap how why is that band the clash they were kind of like having like a celebration for the clash and their, their music and he played a song with troy van lewin in a studio in the middle of the pandemic which leads people to think that if those two are in the same room together it means that they're probably writing something i don't know he very well josh homie is one of those people he typically like ramps up and like does a lot of promo for stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls a Beyonce and just goes like, here's a full ass album. Dude. <laughs> like, Have fun. <laughs> if that did happen, is there anything you're kind of hoping for? Like any kind of sound they haven't covered or something that you want to see more of? Or is there, or is no. it just like not even be able to be predictable? You know, it's funny. I don't really ever like think like, this is how I want them to sound. This is how I hope they do. I just, I mean, I'm just curious to see what they come up with all the time. I love when artists decide to just do something different, but if they decide to do something that's kind of the same, that's fine too to me. You know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn away like free chocolate. It's there, you know, and their music is like chocolate. Yeah, no, I have, I have no, uh, no particular wants or needs for new Queens of the Stone Age album. I just, I just want to enjoy it. (laughs) That's pretty much it, man. When it comes to that, like, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, I'm gonna try to put you on the spot right now before we finish up. Put me on the spot. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll ask maybe top five songs. Not even like the, the best, but like what are the ones that you would turn to? I'm sure a lot of them are unskippable, but what are the ones that are like kind of like if it comes up or the ones that you most likely feel like I want to listen to this right now? All right, let me let me open up. I have like a specific only Queens of the Stone Age playlist, which has most of their music on it. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, every time I play that, I'm just like, these are all the unskippable songs. They're all my favorite. <laughs> um, I would say number one uh, easily is Suture Up Your Suture Up My Future. Yeah, no, it's Suture Up Your Future. Boom. Done. Um, yeah, that song is easily unskippable. Easily my top favorite song. River in the Road's great. I'm not sure if that would be one of my favorites. Um... Oh my God, I appear missing. So like, let's say you have number one, Suture Up Your Future. Number two, very close number two, I appear missing uh, from like clockwork. Uh, Let's see. There's just so many fucking songs. See, this this is what I wanted more than I knew there wasn't going to be five. I knew there wasn't going to be just five songs, but this is what I'm here for. You know what's so funny is I'm looking at this playlist now and I have like, two songs from the from their first album three songs from their second album and i'm just like why don't i just how did i do that literally all of those songs all those albums every song is really good to me how did i just pick like certain songs (laughs) like i need to go back and just add everything back in here i mean because you know what Um, happens you'll start listening to those songs and be like i might as well just listen to the whole album right now and (laughs) yeah exactly and then you're just kind of like listening to you're like okay i'm finished with this album let's just listen to the next one you just listen to the whole discography by the end of the day you've got a killer scene there man is highly underrated what a song that has this really great line in it as well it's i just cursed the sun so i can howl at the moon oh i played that for a friend once and just like her reaction when she heard that that like that line she just went like (laughs) (laughs) she like she got chills and she was like whoa like there was like a like a scream in my car it was so funny um so i have those three songs right now um oh my god there's just like this is in no way definite or or un or unchangeable so i mean not like we're recording this and putting it out on the internet or anything like that wait that's what we're doing (laughs) 
Oh, I thought we were just talking, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I, I can be, I would be here all day. I feel like I'd just say, listen to every single one of their albums. Or, you know, a good place to start, a good place to start is always like Clockwork. What a fantastic album. Or if you're feeling super juicy, their best album, every fan literally just says, this is the best album. I, they're not wrong you know but it is uh objective songs for the deaf you have just so that's the one album dave Grohl drums on the entire album you have josh homie you have mark lanigan from the screaming trees who is also just like a rock and roll icon the dude is amazing and then you have nick all you have the dream team i would say just listen to that whole album you have go with the flow you have no one knows you have hanging tree you just have so many damn good songs uh, yeah, I would just say do that because if I sat here saying <laughs> top five albums, that's top five songs, I'd be here all morning just trying to like pick it apart, you know. Yeah, I know what I'll be doing as I look for clips to uh, include in this episode <laughs> for the rest of the day. Uh, Nick, uh, before we go, do you have any final thoughts on the Queens? Anything that you want to get out there? Anything that you really uh, want to express? You know, they just have they just have music for every kind of mood, you know. And even if you're not in the mood, you know, if you really look into something, it'll you'll find something that hits you. And at the end of the day, that's what art is about. Because at the end of music, we, sometimes people just think of music as music and they don't really think of it as like an art, right? The difference between a painting and a song is just the format by which it's presented, right? It's not just Josh Homme doing Queens of the Stone Age. It's a collaborative effort between every single person of that band. And you can like, you can just feel it. You can just feel it. And if, if that's something that you're into, you just, just check them out because my God, do they really know how to express a feeling or a thought or, you know? Yeah. And if, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not a political person either, Queens of the Stone Age very, very um, uh, harshly stray away from politics. Like none of those albums or songs have any kind of like political thought to it. So if you just want to like not think about that in this turbulent time, like (laughs) Queens just has that for you. Right. But they have something that you can think about at the same time. Uh, That's what I would say. Honestly, they're fantastic. Excellent. Uh, Nick, you were fantastic. Uh, This one was, I hope you had a lot of fun. If there's anywhere on the internet that people want to see more of you or if there's any projects you're working on, anything you want to share. Yeah. So my, I I only have an Instagram now. I kind of like deleted all of my social media and I only have Instagram now. Congratulations. uh, Thanks, man. Even then I might be getting rid of it at some point. But uh uh, it's private at the moment. I, if somebody wants to add me, they can. I'll add them. Uh, but my Instagram handle is Nick A Valdez with an S. And if you're an actor, if you're a director, if you're a playwright, and you're interested in something that I've written, and you just happen to have um, New Play Exchange, you can find me on New Play Exchange as well. Uh, I only have two things on there at the moment. Uh, I have a play that I've been working on for a while that I'm not entirely sure of whether or not it's able to be seen in public. Um, but once I figure that out, I'm, it's a full length. I'm probably going to throw that on there. It's it's about the scary times in, uh, that we live in. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, check out 
my new play exchange. Check out my Instagram. Uh, I'm not that interesting, <laughs> I promise. Uh, but I'm also not terribly boring. But get into talks about Queens of the Stone Age or nine inch nails or and then let watch him go off yeah or you know maybe maybe i'll bring up brendan fraser and we can talk about brendan fraser at some point oh yeah that can that yeah that could be an oh oh man that could be an episode that will definitely be an episode in the future for sure for sure um <laughs> uh nick it was good talking to you buddy uh love you so much you too, thank man. you for coming on and we're out thanks for having me And that is the episode, folks. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely going to be binging some Queens for the foreseeable future. If Nick doesn't convince you, I don't know what will. Really, just, I don't know. Uh, the links Nick mentioned are in the show notes below. Check them out to follow Nick. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, tell a friend about the show. It's the best way to guarantee the show continues on for the foreseeable future. I, your host, am Chris Rivero on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to suggest a topic for the show or leave feedback, reach out on In My Defense Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to be on the show, you can fill out a form on the website at InMyDefensePodcast.com. Until then, I will see you next week with another geek on the In My Defense podcast.